you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter number 50. Genesis chapter 50. So let me tell you a little bit about pastors. Do you know the two hardest messages for a pastor to preach? The two most difficult messages for a pastor to preach. You know what they are? The first message of a series. And the last message of a series. What, you in Romans right now? You know, I, I don't know uh, for sure, but I, and I've never asked you about this, but I'm telling you, I would imagine that first Sunday in Romans chapter 1, oh, Lord, overwhelmed or whatever, that first message of a series is just like, we got to get started. There's so many good things I want to teach about in this series, whatever it is, it's a book or a biographical series or whatever it is. It's going to be a series on finances, whatever it is. That first one's tough to get going. But I'll tell you also, especially if it's been a good series, that last message, it's just like, oh, man, I don't want to let go of it. When you get, where are you right now in Romans? You're in 16 now. Okay, so it's coming down to that last, and that's going to be difficult. It's like, wow, we've been in Romans, and Romans is, I got to let go of Romans, you know. Well, several years ago, I really believe it was probably the most life-transforming series that at least at that point in my life I had ever preached through, and it was on the life of Joseph. I love Joseph. I believe there's a lot of reasons I love Joseph, but I will tell you, I think in the Old Testament, he is the greatest human picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Now, I think the picture of the tabernacle or the temple, the sacrifices are probably greater pictures of Christ than even any human in the Old Testament. But if you want a type of Christ in the Old Testament, Joseph is your guy. And just everything about Joseph is picturing the Lord. There were so many things in the series on Joseph's life that when I studied, I just went like, oh, that, I don't know if the people are going to get anything, but I'll tell you what, God, you sure spoke to my heart. But I came to Genesis chapter 50, and you, you knew this passage was coming up, and I thought like, whoa. And I can remember sitting in my study. There's something I did learn. In pastoring at Pensacola because of a television ministry, one thing I learned, you can't be using other people's materials. But you know what? That has been one of the greatest, I think, elements of ministry in my life is that I've never relied on other people's things to preach. I've always asked Lord, Lord, show me from the word what they want. And, and I got to tell you, this, the series on Joseph and all of them were, were that way. But I came to this last chapter and this last part, and I had a question. And that question is what I built the message on. I want you to begin reading with me in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead. So Jacob, the patriarch, you know, you got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob now has died. 
Jacob had all these boys, you know, these 12 sons. And here's what the boys thought. The boys thought that Joseph was nice to them because dad was living. But we know what we did to Joseph. And we know that we treated Joseph terrible. And Joseph is being nice because Jacob is alive. But dad dies. We're dead meat, man. He's going to kill all of us. And that's where we pick up the story. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, oh boy, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Okay, we just know now now Joseph's going to pay back everything we did to him. And they sent a messenger onto Joseph. This is, you know, it's kind of cute in a way, but it's also really sad. And they sent a messenger onto Joseph saying, hey, 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 Joseph, now don't, don't forget now that thy father did command before he died, saying, so shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. And they did unto thee evil. Now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. You know what they're doing here? Hey, 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 guy, Joseph, don't forget what dad said. Remember, dad said, forgive us, forgive us. When Joseph heard that, look at what he did. And Joseph wept. When they spake unto him. You guys don't get it, do you? Y'all don't understand, do you? I took care of you guys a long time ago. I forgave you a long time ago. And here's what I did. Look at the next verse. And Joseph said unto them, Hey, brothers, fear not. For am I in the place of, would you all help me with the next word? Am I in the place of God? A long time ago, and I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to show you right when this happened. A long time ago, I let God be your judge. And I no longer, I took the court case and I said, God, I am no longer the prosecuting attorney of my brother's. I am no longer the witness of my brothers. I am no longer the jury of my brothers. I am no longer the judge of my brothers. And God, here's all the court case. Here's all the receipts. Here's all the documents. Here's all the records. God, you be my brother's judge. I'm letting it go. I'm not going to hold on to this any longer. God is their judge. Isn't that amazing? By the way, every one of us have to do that throughout life. People will hurt us. And we have to come to a place where we just say, God, you are, you're their judge. I am not going to spend the rest of my life being the prosecuting attorney to an, to an ex-spouse, to a child who's a black sheep, to whatever it is, to a co-worker, to a former pastor, to whatever it is. God, I'm not going to be their judge any longer. And then we come to verse 20. And I consider verse 20, the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. But as for you, 
Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And I'm sitting in my office, Pastor, and I thought this, Lord, how does somebody at the end of their life get to that point? Would to God, at the end of my life, I could get and say what Joseph just said. Hey, 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 hey. You meant it unto me for evil. But it's okay. God meant it unto me for good. You, you, you guys did it. It was all wrong. But do you see what God did with this? Do you understand what, how the Lord has used this? Hey, hey, not only in my life, but in yours. I will nourish you. I will comfort you. No, 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 no. You guys meant it for evil. But there was a sovereign hand that meant it for good. And I penned these words on a piece of paper that day in my office, Pastor. When it's all said and done, what really matters? When it's all said and done, what really matters? And that's verse 20. When it's all said and done, God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Father, I pray when it's all said and done in our lives that the three truths that we're about to give will never be forgotten, always be an encouragement to us and a challenge to us. I pray that Jim Shetler, and Lord, you know I tweaked this a little bit. I think I needed the tweaky. I pray that Grandview also needs that which we give today. I, I dedicate this to you, Father. I pray that this message will help young and old today. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen. I'm see, I want you to see three things. When it's all said and done, Number one, are you ready? When it's all said and done, it's not what you hold on to in life that matters. It's what you let go of. When it's all said and done in your life, when you come to the end of your road, it is not what you hold on to that matters, folks. It's what you let go of. And let me tell you what Joseph let go of. He let go of the hurt of the past. He let go of what other people said and did to him. It is not what you hold on to in life that matters. It's what you let go of. Take your Bibles and turn back to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. Now when you enter into Genesis 41, this is the big change chapter in Joseph's life. Up to this point, 
We know that the Lord's been with them. But can I just say this very honestly? If you just stopped the story at chapter 40, you would go like, well, the Lord's with this guy, but everything happens bad to this guy. I mean, he's thrown into a pit by his brothers. He's sold as a slave. He's lied about in Potiphar's house. He's forgotten about in the prison. And I mean, this guy lives for the Lord and everything goes bad for him. But in chapter 41, everything changes in Joseph's life. Joseph is going to go from a slave to a sovereign. He's going to go from the prison to the palace. He's going to change, his whole life is going to change. For the Pharaoh has a dream that Joseph is going to interpret. Joseph interprets that dream and says, hey, I'm going to tell you what your dream was about. And by the way, it was God who gave him the interpretation. We'll come to that in just a few moments. And, and he says, let me, let me tell you something. You're going to have seven good years. And then you're going to have seven really bad years. And during your seven good years, you better put some food away for the seven bad years. And you better put someone over the whole thing. I don't think he's looking for a job. I really don't think he's expecting to be the one. But Pharaoh says, listen, if you can interpret that dream, I can't think of anyone else who'd be better than being over this project. So Joseph goes in a matter of hours from the prison to the second most powerful person on planet Earth. Because Egypt is at its zenith and Pharaoh is the number one guy. And Joseph has just been placed as number two, Zephaniah. He is the second most important person, not only in Egypt, but actually it's going to turn out to be in the whole world. And here he goes, and now he begins to do this. Now, we talk about the picture of Christ and the church. The first thing that Pharaoh does is give Joseph an Egyptian bride, a Gentile bride, if you please, that's Christ gets us. We're Gentiles as a bride. But, so, so Joseph gets his bride. And they have children. Matter of fact, they have twins. And the big day for the naming of the twins is about to occur. So both the boys are come out, the little bambinos come on out, and they're going to get named. And Joseph is going to name his first two sons. If I could just for a moment jump to the second son. He calls the second son Ephraim. By the way, remember now, these two boys are going to end up being tribes of Israel because there isn't a tribe of Joseph, but Joseph's two sons are going to be tribes. So the, the second boy is named Ephraim. It means bountiful. It means fruitful. But it's that first one I want you to see. The first one, he says, bring him to me. He takes him in his arms. His firstborn son, he names, look at verse 51. Genesis 41, verse 51. He takes that firstborn and he names him. Can you see the name there? Everyone together, you know what it is? Can you say it with me? Manasseh. Say that again. Manasseh. Do you know what Manasseh means? Manasseh means... To forget the toil of the past. To forget it. Otherwise, we would say spiritually, to let go of, guys. 
Grandview to let go. You know what he did that day? He takes that firstborn and he says, bring, bring him to me. And he takes that firstborn and he says, my firstborn is Manasseh. I'm letting it go. God, you be Naphtali's judge. You be Judah's prosecutor. Lord, you take Reuben and you do whatever you want with him. They are not under my jurisdiction any longer. I am letting go. And I am not going to spend the rest of my life carrying that which will help me at none at all. I am going to move on. I'm going to forget the toil of the past. And I'm going to have a, everyone together, and I'm going to have a Manasseh. I'm going to have a Manasseh. Can I share this with you? At 64 years of age, the longer I live, it is not what you hold on to that matters. It's what you let go of. Some of you are holding on to things of the past and you cannot move forward because you are still holding on to the past. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, it says, No man is fit for the kingdom of God who takes a hold of the plow and looks backwards. Grandview Baptist, can I share something with you? One of the greatest principles you will ever hear in life. When it's all said and done, it is not what you hold on to in life that matters. It's what you let go of. And I want to encourage you. I have no idea about the stories of your life. Every one of us have been on a journey. Every one of us have had things happen. It is not when it's all said and done. I'm not letting go of this. What they did to me, I'm holding it in my heart. Well, you can do that, my friend. But I'm telling you what really matters is what you let go of. You know, I've gone to a lot of nursing homes, Pastor. And I have come to believe there's two kinds of people in nursing homes. In nursing homes, there's old, grumpy, mean, just ugly people. There are. You go in and you try to cheer them up and you bring them in a big smile and everything. And they're just mean. And then I notice another kind of person in the nursing home. They're just like the happiest people in the world. They're just so happy. They're just so joyful. I mean, there's, and you know what? I think I know the difference. The old grumpy ones, they can't forget a thing. Ah, my kids didn't do this. Ah, this happened to me. Ah, they can't. And they can't forget a thing. The real happy ones, they can't remember a thing. <laughs> they just can't remember a thing. And they're so happy. I want to tell you something. When it's all said and done, it's not what you hold on to in life. It's what you decide to let go of. Let me encourage you today. Have a Manasseh. I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know what relationships you've had. I don't know your children. I don't know your, your marriage. I don't know your work. I don't know the churches you've... I don't know what's happened in your life. But I'm telling you right now, 
It is not what I've held on to in my life that has mattered. It's what I've let go of. And I believe I'm still in ministry today. Not because of what I've held on to. I think I'm still in ministry today because of what I let go of. And I want to encourage you. Have a Manasseh. So I was sitting in my office and I thought to myself, how do you come to the end of your life and say, God meant it for good? Well, I think when it's all said and done, it's not what you hold on to in life, it's what you decide to let go of. Number two, when it's all said and done, it's not about you, it's about God. When it's all said and done, it's not about you, it's about God. Now, I mean, I, I studied this thing on Joseph. I mean, I picked up every commentary I could, and I read this, and I read that, and I'm going to disagree with a lot. There's a guy named Lockyer who's talked about their greatest hours and said that, that Joseph's greatest moment was when he refused Potiphar's wife. That was a huge moment of temptation, and he ran out of there, two thumbs up, way to go, Joseph. But I believe, this is my personal opinion, I know the most important moment in Joseph's life. Would you like to turn to it? Genesis 41 and verse 16. Now, we've already talked about this chapter, but this is when he stands before Pharaoh. Now, up to this point, everything that Joseph has done right in his life has turned out bad. And so now he stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh has a dream. And he asked Joseph to interpret the dream. Now, Joseph, I got to tell you, if it's me, Pastor, it's like right here I'm going like, you know what? I'm not interpreting any dreams until we make a little deal here. I, I mean, listen, I've had a tough life, and everything's gone wrong. I've been trying to live for God. I've been trying to do what the right thing is. And every time I do, things go wrong. You know what? I got to start thinking about myself now. And I want to make a little deal with you, Pharaoh. I'll interpret your dream, but you're going to have to give me another position, buddy. You're going to have to get me out of that prison, which I shouldn't be in in the first place. And I want to make a little deal. That is not what he does. This is my personal opinion. I think this is the greatest moment of Joseph's life. He stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, look at verse 15, I, I've had a dream I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou can understand a dream to interpret it. Well, you know, I guess I can, but before we do that, let's make a little contract here, make a little deal. That is not what happens. I believe these five little words is the key moment of Joseph's life. Look at verse 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. I got to tell you something, Pharaoh. The interpretation of this dream is not in me. This is going to be a God thing, not a Joseph thing. Now let me tell you about life. When it's all said and done at the end of life, it is not about you. It is about God. Now, 
If there was one thing I tried to emphasize yesterday to your young people and those that were here at the conference, I talked about Esther and I talked about a guy named Phineas. And one of the things I said, I don't know if they picked up on us, but one of the things I said was, I can tell you the very moment Esther became, went from a girl to a woman. I said yesterday, I can tell you the very moment that Phineas went from a young man to a man of God. And I'll tell you when it was. When they got their eyes off of themselves and they started to live for something more important than themselves. When Esther says, you know what? If I perish, I perish. But I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to step forward and do this and whatever happens is going to happen and it's not about me. And I got to tell you, our whole culture today is about me. We live in the me culture. That's why we believe we are entitled to certain things. I want to tell you something. When it's all said and done, my friend, it is not about you. It is about God. And it's high time that we begin to learn how to humble ourselves and get the most important element in our lives we can ever have, and that is the grace of God. And the grace of God does not come to anybody until they humble themselves. God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. I wrote a few things down this morning in my hotel room that I wanted to mention. It's the way down, not the way up. He must increase, and I must decrease. If you ask me, hey, Jim, What's the one thing you've struggled with all of your life? Dying to self. Dying to self. It is all about, my greatest enemy has not been Satan. My greatest enemy in my life is the person I see in the mirror. And we've got to learn how to die to self. I don't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. Now let me tell you something, Grandview. I don't know what you do here. I don't know how you minister or whatever. But it doesn't matter who gets the credit about what happens. It matters that God gets the glory. And then pride, I believe that pride is the wrong view of you. Whenever you have the wrong view of you, you got pride. Well, Brother Shuttler, I don't think I have a lot of pride because I think I'm a terrible person. And I just really think I can't do anything. And I just really, I really think that, that I'm not, not really, no, no, no. Self-pity is all about you. Pride is always the wrong view of you. And I want to tell you what God wants. God wants us, if, he, if we're going to come to the end of our life and we said, hey, you know what? God meant it all for good. Well, it's not about you it's about God. Humility starts with honesty and it ends with dependence. And boy, that is so important. Then number three, and we're done. When it's all said and done, it's not what you hold on to, it's what you let go of. When it's all said and done, it's not about you. It's about God. And number three, when it's all said and done, it's not what you achieved in life that matters it's what you became in life that matters. You know, I thought about this last night. Of course, I don't have any skin in the game, so to speak. 
I was cheering for our Eagles last night, you know. I was hoping that they won. And they took care of business pretty early, too, by the way. By halftime, it was 3 nothing. But I thought about this. I walked around the track a couple times. And I thought, you know what? So I don't know anything about the year or anything like that. But I said, Lord, what if the guys would have lost tonight? What, what if they lost? Would they, would they look at the, oh, the whole year was a failure. We lost, to our, we lost in the championship to our rival. And we, it's, oh, wow, what a downer for the whole year. Is that, I don't know if they would have looked at it that way. Surely I hope that they wouldn't have if they would have lost last night. But I thought to myself, so what makes a good soccer year? Winning the league, man, winning the league. Or what you became as a soccer player and what you became as a person this year. You know, when it's all said and done in life, it's really not what we've achieved in life. It's what we've become in life that really matters. Now, I'm a very task-oriented person. I start every day, Pastor, with a list. And I look at that list, and I go, at the end of the day, hey, I had a good day. How did you have a good day, Brother Shetler? Look at my list, man. Everything checked off. That's a good day to Jim Shetler. I don't know if that's necessarily a good day to God. No, no, you got all that achieved. You had a good day today, Brother Shetler. Not necessarily. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. You know what? My good day may not be God's good day. My good day is when I get all the tasks done for the day, Pastor. But that may not be God's good day. God's good day may be when I become more like the image of Jesus Christ. And I, this is the toughest point for this message for me. It's not, Jim, what you achieved in life. Ooh, I got to pastor a church that had 6,000 people every Sunday morning. You know what? Boy, you've achieved a lot. Brother Shelley, you're vice president of a college you were. Yeah, you know what? I don't think it's what we achieve in life that matters. I think it's what we become in life that matters. I heard a, fix, a fictitious story once. It's one of my favorite all-time stories. Guy's sleeping in bed. In the middle of the night, he wake, uh, the, the Lord appears in his bedroom, and the guy wakes up and goes, Whoa, who are you? I am the Lord. What are you doing here? Tomorrow, there'll be a rock outside your door. Push it. And the Lord's gone. And the guy goes, what in the world was that? Man, that was a bad dream. Goes to bed. Next morning, he wakes up, takes a shower, gets his breakfast, goes off to work, opens the door. And when he opens the door, there is a huge rock outside his door. Lord! That was you. Whoa, that's a big rock. But Lord, you said to push it. I'm going to do what you said. And he goes over and he says, push it gets right. He says, push it gets right. He push it gets right. Lord, Lord, he ain't moving. He, push, he pushes all morning long. He goes in for lunch. Oh, oh, oh. 
push the rock, it hasn't moved. Oh, he eats lunch, opens the door. <laughs> he goes back out all afternoon. He pushes against the rock. It hasn't moved a little bit. It hasn't moved a centimeter. It's not moving at all. End of the day, the guy goes, oh. Next morning, he wakes up. Uh, uh, every muscle in his body is sore. He gets some breakfast, opens the door. <laughs> he goes out and pushes against the rock the second day, the third day, the fourth day. Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into a few months. And he's out there pushing against this rock after three months. And finally, he says, this is stupid. God, I've had it with this. I've been pushing this rock for three months. It hasn't moved at all. I'm done. And the Lord appears. And the Lord says, go in your house. Guy says, go in my house. He goes in the house. Lord says, go into the bathroom. Guy goes in the bathroom. Lord says, look in the mirror. Guy looks in the mirror. Lord says, look at your neck. He doesn't have one. It's just muscle. Lord says, look at your arms. They're huge. Lord says, look at your legs. They're like tree stumps. Lord says, I never told you to move the rock, but the rock has changed you. You know what? Sometimes God puts something in our life and he says, push it. It's not about moving the rock. It's not what you achieve. It's what you become. You know what? Joseph is not the same man in chapter 50 that he was in chapter 37. He's a nourisher. By the way, you know what that word is, nourish? Shaddai. We get El Shaddai from that word nourisher. He is now the nourisher. He is now the comforter. You know what, Joseph? It's not what you achieved. Hey, I got to be Zephaniah, man. Come on, come on. Did I achieve what? I achieved, did I not achieve a lot in life? Look at me, man. Joseph didn't look at his life and what he's achieved. Joseph looked at his life and what he's become. And I want to tell you, when it's all said and done, it's not what you achieve in life. It's what you become in life that really matters. And by the way, at a funeral, it's not all the things and accomplishments that a people accomplish. It's what they became in life that you remember more than anything else. Grandview, when it's all said and done, it's not what you hold on to. It's what you let go of. When it's all said and done, it's not about you. It's about God. And when it's all said and done, it's not what we've achieved. It's what we've become. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, Probably nobody in this room needed this message more than me this morning. But Lord, I do believe there may be some people here that need to have a Manasseh this morning. Lord, they can hold on to it. But Father, when it's all said and done, holding on to the injustice that was done to them, holding on to the unforgiveness, holding on to the bitterness is not going to make things good in the end. I pray, Lord, I have no idea who's in this room, but it would just make sense that there's probably some people that need to have a Manasseh. So I pray right now 
They'd stop being the judge, the jury, and the prosecuting attorney, and they would let go of the court case that was done against them, and they would let you be the judge and let you. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So, Lord, that would be the first thing that I would like to ask and pray. How many would say this morning, Brother Shetler, I need to have a Manasseh this morning. There is something in my life I need to let go of. I'm holding on to something. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I'm holding on to something, and now I need to let go of it. Are there others? Would you raise your hand? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. Anyone else? I'm going to pray for you. Anyone else with these 10 people, I think, 10, 11, 12 people? Anyone else? Yes. Amen. Anyone else? I need to have them in there. I need to let go of something right now. Father, I pray for everyone right now. I pray that they would just let go of it right now in their seat. They just got it's yours. I will tell you this too. If you're here today and you don't have Christ, and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, it's going to be pretty hard to let go. That's how you, you got it. And then the next point it's not about you, friend. It's about God. You need to humble yourself. It's not about you getting to heaven. It's that Christ paid for it. And you need to humble yourself and say, Dear God, I need to receive you as my Savior. But to some of us in here, this, one, this point really spoke to my heart this morning. Jim, it's not about you. It's about God. He must increase and you must decrease, Jim. How many of you would say humbly, Brother Shetler, I think I've had the wrong view of me. I've had the wrong view of myself. I'm too self-centered, and I got pride in my life, and I want to humble myself, and I'm being honest, and I've had the wrong view of me, and I want to ask God to forgive me of pride, and I want to get this thing taken care of today, and I need to humble myself. If that's true, would you raise your hand? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's good. Amen. Thanks. That's a tough one, you know. I want to ask one other thing. How many of you are pushing against something that's not moving? And you keep saying, God, take this out of my life. Move this. Get this thing out of my life. And this morning, Brother Shetler, I'm changing that. It is not what I accomplish in life that's going to matter now. It's what I need to become for Christ. It's Christ in me. It's not about everything I get done. It's about what God is trying to do in my life. And Brother Shetler, I'm going to keep pushing against the rock, but it's not going to be about what I achieve. It's going to be about what I become. And God help me, because I'm going to need his grace. But Brother Shetler, I'm pushing against something right now that's never moved. It probably never will move. But it's what God is using in my life right now to make me more like Christ. And I want to thank him. And I'm not asking him to take it away. I'm asking him to give me the strength and make in me what he wants to in the image of Christ. Would you pray for me? If that's true, would you raise your hand all over the auditorium? Amen. Father, tender hearts today, I thank you for each one here. Lord, when it's all said and done in our life, may these three truths be very prevalent. Thank you for pastor. Thank you for Grandview. Father, if there's a soul here that knows not Christ, May today be the day of their salvation. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Can I ask one other question? Is there anybody in here today, I understand that I did speak to believers today, 
but you would say, Brother Scheller, I do not know that I'm on my way to heaven. I do not know Jesus as my Savior. And, and Brother Scheller, I would like to know that. I'd like to get this thing settled about my salvation and my relationship with God. If that's true, would you raise your hand? Is there anyone like that this morning in the balcony, down on the floor? Anyone? Father, I pray for each one here, and I thank you for the opportunity. And Lord, I know 8.30 could be early, but I thank you for the group that you assembled. And Lord, I think how well they listened as well. And I thank you for this church. God, I pray that you would be with the under-shepherd here. Lord, I have no idea what you've got planned for this church or for him and his wife, but I sure thank you for him, Lord. And God, I pray your richest blessing on him. And I thank you for a staff that's not only resembling and picking up pastor's direction, but resembles Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you'll continue to be with this staff and this school. God, I think this school can have a great impact in this community. And I pray for the Grandview Academy as well. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.